Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Well, hello there and happy Friday. I'm Michael Kelly. What's your name? John Hancock. Welcome. Good, good, Welcome aboard, everyone. Good to see you, brother. It's good to see you. Hey, man, I had a St. Louis night last night. You did. So uh, yesterday afternoon, went over to the new Top Golf that they've built here in the city of St. Louis, right there uh, next to St. Louis University. Is that right? You drive by it on Highway 40. I've never seen it. <laughs> You've never seen it. You no. don't see the large... No. Oh Lord! You know I'm not the most observant guy. That yeah, that would be obvious. They built a they built an orthopedic hospital right outside of my subdivision, and <laughs> I asked my wife when they built that. She said it's been there for five years. <laughs> so yeah. So I hopped in there and then uh, went to uh, a restaurant and hopped into a, a pop up bar. Have you heard of a pop up bar? Pop tart. Pop-up a, bar. A pop-up bar. So they're all over town. I know there's one in the Central West End. What in the heck is a pop-up there's one, bar? Uh, the one I went to was off of Mississippi. Yeah. And a pop-up bar is uh, like a themed bar. This one was called Santa and Sips. Okay. It was at the Planter's House right there off of Vandeventer in Mississippi. Yeah. Um, and it's, you know, like uh, I, they have like Christmas drinks and uh, there's Christmas lights and it's very ho-ho-ho. Why do they call it a pop-up bar? Because it's temporary. It will only be here for the Christmas season. And then what does it do? I, I guess it goes back to being an abandoned little uh, space there. You know, it just it just popped up. So there's a, it's an abandoned space and I, then boom, they put a bar in oh, and then poof, it's gone. Right. Somebody told me that there was going to be in the West End, where, like where the chess club is supposed to be going mm-hmm. into, a pop-up bar. So it's like an ungreen that they get a special license, they come in for, you know, a month or two, and it's very themed-oriented, et cetera. So that was kind of fun. Huh. Very St. Louis. Never heard of that. Very romantic if you—I wasn't on a romantic. I was with some guys we had played golf. But uh, but very romantic if you're looking for something to kind of take your gal pal to over, or your your man pal, over uh, the holidays, you know, that you can hop in there and ho, 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 and, you know— Like, what are the the drinks, the themed— Christmas trees. Oh, uh, I don't know the names. They're all clever, like, you know, one horse hoping sleigh, and, you know, it, it would it be, have whiskey with, uh, you know, this, and Christmas jingle jam juice, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> I'm making it up, but you get what I'm saying. It's all themed <laughs> nonsense. And then on the way, not nonsense, just not my bag, yeah. but it was cool. I, I liked it, and if I were trying to woo somebody, I'd take, take them there. take them to the Christmas bar. Now, I'll tell you a place that you got to go. All right. And this one's there all the time. All right. And I popped in last night was the Grand Hall at Union Station. Yeah, oh, it's gorgeous. Buddy, they got the trees up. They got the lights on. They got the shows going on on the roof. They've got the... You know, it's very Christmassy, and uh, you want to get the into the spirit. Yeah, well, light, light like roof. a light show on the roof of oh, the— uh, Like the planetarium. Uh, hello. Yep, exactly. It's a lot yeah. of fun. It, it, you should go check it out. It'd be a great place for you to grab little Tula and, and ride. The, you know, they got a train you can go ride, too, that, yeah. that goes to the Polar, the Polar Express. Right. I don't know what I'm saying, but I know it's a train, and— Kids go on it, and it's Christmas. Well, it sounds lovely. Yeah, you ought to consider doing I am in the Christmas Tula. spirit. Are year. you? Yes. What have you done to get yourself into the well, spirit? Well, we got the house, you know, all decked out, and the lights are outside. The tree the, is up? tree is up. Now, was that a, because you're empty nester now. Did the yeah. grandbaby come over to help, or was it just you and, and Georgina? Just me and me and the missus out yeah, there. Yeah, and how was that? Uh, do you, do, as you hung ornaments, would you be like, do you remember this one? 
This was our 14th well, Christmas Well, we, uh, we actually haven't <clears throat> put any ornaments on the tree. Ah. But it's all lit up, the tree is. It's very yeah. pretty. You got the white lights. And uh, I think we may not do the ornaments this year. Between between Tula, the granddaughter, and Gus, the dog, uh, yeah. the ornaments probably wouldn't fare very well. The well, the dogs, man, and, and, and it's a fake tree, right? Yeah, well, we like to call it artificial. Artificial, mm-hmm. because sometimes you get those trees where the water goes in and the dog drinks all the water out yeah. of the, the bowl and then the tree dries out. We used to do live trees, but yeah. we haven't for years. And uh, we've actually got two trees. Yeah. And uh, I'm never quite sure which tree is like the family room tree. Where you're supposed to put the presents? So right. So uh-huh. we've got uh, we actually put the living room tree in the family room this year. Nice. So well, it's it is nice. It's yeah. lovely. It's a white lights. It's not I, multicolored. I don't decorate. I've got a little Charlie Brown Christmas tree. It sits on my island. It's it's what about a foot and a half tall. It's yeah. got one little ornament on it. I've got a little That's Santa, sad. a Santa gnome. That's so sad. It sits over with my Jerry Garcia and my um, Buddha oh, over in the on. corner. And then I got a smelly candle, buddy. You get those candles that uh, smell like Alpine or uh, Christmas tree smell. Yeah. Gingerbread cookies, also very good. And every night I can have a little uh, Christmas spirit just by lighting a candle and smelling things. That's it's really kind of sad. It's lovely. Are you kidding? You know what's sad? Uh, January 2nd and 3rd when you're having to go and take down the tree and the garland and all that other nonsense. I literally do it in about 28 seconds. Uh-huh. And I'm back to my normal life. I don't want all the maintenance of all the nonsense and, you know, stuff. It's, Buddy, just, it's, it's Christmas. I get it. And I put a tree up. I put a little gnome up. And a I got tree. a smelly candle. And it's just me. Why does it matter? Well, because you have people over, don't you? Yeah, they come over. We watch football. I can promise you that nobody who comes to my house is there to look at my Christmas decorations. I don't know. I just find it all quite sad. You do? I do. Oh, buddy, I am as happy as can be. Well. And I'm just not a stuffing things guy. Yeah. You know, like, uh, I don't want gifts. Yeah. I don't want presents. Well, that's why That's why I like you so much. I've never bought you a present. In, you in shouldn't buy yeah. me a present. You do, I don't want a present. I would rather, John Hancock, you and I spend a little Christmas cheer together. Yeah. Having a little, uh, maybe a little hot toddy yeah. or, or yeah. you know, a little drink. Yeah. Uh, play a little pool. Count me Talk in. about the good old days. Count me in. Slap each other on the back, wish each other a Merry Christmas, and see each other after the holiday. There's Michael Doesn't Kelly get any better outlining that. a lovely afternoon that uh, may occur one of these days. Uh, <laughs> when we come back, it's our politics segment. We're going to get into Hunter Biden, the poor guy. It mm. looks like he's on his way to prison. We go where you go. 1120 AM, 98.7 FM, KMOX.com. We should get a disclaimer for the Hancock and Kelly show like these drug companies do. You, you know, know but what if we did political ads like that? Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> if elected this for, person, you should Joe. realize he, that. He may, he may destroy the country. Yeah, he may uh, kill you. And if you, if you notice crime going <laughs> off the charts, <laughs> call your prosecutor. Do you notice that the, uh, the drug commercials during, like, sports and stuff, yeah. there's very chipper, happy people bouncing around doing they cool are. stuff? Yes. And for like two seconds, they tell you about the name of the drug that you can't pronounce, right? right? Yeah. And then it's like while music's playing, it's this drug. Maybe when I'm you'll lose your left eye. Might maybe, kill you. Maybe yeah. Your toes will start to fall off, and maybe you ought to consider <laughs> blah blah blah. Try Wellowist, and you know <laughs> we ought to do that in politics. That'd be great to do a. Maybe we'll do that over the holiday when we're sitting in for Dave Glover, because you know this is the Hancock and Kelly time of the it, year it here is, at Because everybody else doesn't work. And so here we, we come are. in. I'm doing. Amy, I'm coming in and doing the Amy Marksco show for. Uh, a couple of weeks. I think you're doing it with her, and and then we're going to be sitting in for Glover during yeah. Christmas to New Year's. Yeah. 
So you'll get your fill of Hancock and Kelly. Hope that doesn't mean that you just turned off the radio. All right. Hunter Biden, Michael. Buddy, nine Nine felony counts counts, uh, brought against Hunter Biden the other day. Just to remind everybody, you remember he had had some charges brought against him by a special counsel. He went to this settlement agreement. The judge kind of scratched his head and said, this doesn't seem right. Those charges were tossed out. Merrick Garland put a, you know, reappointed a special prosecutor. They came forth with these nine felony counts. In California this time. Do you think he's headed to the big clink? I do. I mean, this is, he hadn't paid his taxes. He owes a million dollars in taxes. Uh, he wasn't making his child support payments. He's just a, you know, troubled soul. Yeah. And, uh, Bad dude. And they've, I mean, he was spending hundreds of, I don't know if you saw the breakdown of what he was claiming his business expenses. Uh-uh. Uh, hundreds of thousands of dollars on prostitutes. Wow. Hundreds of thousands of dollars on adult uh, entertainment. Right. And, you know, he's writing all these things off his business expenses. So, I mean, he's got real trouble. Uh, the House is going to take a vote next week on uh, pursuing an impeachment against Joe Biden. Uh, and- do you believe that that it's related? Hey, look, if your kid's a dirtball and it's well documented, is it the father's or the mother's problem? Well, if you're if the father is a politician, it's your problem. Yeah, okay. and and so you, here's what. Uh, I'm just saying. I've been I've been predicting this for weeks and weeks and weeks now. Oh, this ought to be good. This is the off ramp for the Democrats with Joe Biden. His his numbers are going to take another hit here, and whatever you may think of the impeachment process, it's still an impeachment process. Uh, it's a perfect opportunity for him to say, you know, my family's going through a lot now. I'm not getting any younger, and. Um, after much thought, prayer, discussion with Dr. Jill Biden, um, and I want—I need to be there for Hunter as he goes through this trial and this trying time in his life. The, the stresses of the presidency are such that I think it might be best if I fail to decline to run for re-election in 2024. Write it up, buddy. I'll send it to the White House right. and see if they'll give the president that to I'm say. You, I don't think so. I, I uh, do think so. I really think his I don't think it'll are, be related to uh, Hunter Biden well, reason if the president chooses not to run for re-election. To, to get out. and They ought to be, Democrats ought to be absolutely desperate at this point. I mean, you're looking at the polls, and I know you think Trump is, and, and you may be right, Trump may get convicted before the elect, before the November election, uh, isn't that- it amazing that Joe Biden is unpalatable to so many people because of his son Hunter Biden? Yeah. But Donald Trump, who literally tried to overthrow the country, is acceptable. You know, Dave Glover said something yesterday on his show that I thought was really good. He goes, "You know, what's frustrating is is I, he watched that Republican debate and some of the crazy conspiracy type stuff they're saying is just nuts." Right. Where are the good Republicans? Where are the good Republicans standing up? Here we are saying, geez, Joe Biden may be tainted goods because his kid's a dirtball. Donald Trump is a dirtball, and half the country is about to elect him president of the United States again. Well, what does that tell you? It um, tells you that if, if you're a Democrat— you got to follow the rules. You, if you're a Republican, break them. No. You'll embrace them. Well, look, it's about winning elections. And what's happened—the Republican Party has undergone a massive realignment. Uh, over the last decade. It was happening before Trump, but it's really solidified under Trump. And the people who comprise the Republican primary electorate today, right. ab- about 35 to 40% of them are conspiracy are, theorists, are white, uh-huh. uh, lower middle class, 
high school educated voters. Right. That's 35 to 40 percent of the Republican primary electorate. And that was never the case. And what you've seen is if folks that have master's degrees and da 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 are, are not, for the by and large, uh, active Republican participants any longer. That's different today than it has been ever before. And it's just a cold, hard fact, uh, a political reality that if if you're in my position helping to get Republicans elected, the the target audience has changed uh, to win these primaries. And it took me a little while to figure that out, but that's that's where we are. Well, we saw the GOTB debate. Uh, I thought Chris Christie was fabulous, which surely means he's never got a chance inside he the Republican chance, Party no. because he's speaking the truth, which is that – they had a 30-minute debate the other day. 30 minutes into the debate, they never mentioned the fact that the person who's getting 50-something percent of the votes never mentioned them, never went out there. Most of the candidates are still trying to tiptoe around them. Right. Chris Christie seems to be the only one who's not afraid to take Donald Trump on, hence the reason he's going nowhere. Vivek Ramaswamy looks like he's trying to be Donald Trump, who can act like a bigger jerk. And then Nikki Haley, who's been the butt of most of that, I think, of course, won the debate again, John, but... Well, what does it mean to win the Republican debate these days? Because it's already this nomination sewn up. Well, it's, yeah, like I've said, it's like arguing who's going to get the violin solo on the Titanic, you know, at the end. Uh, and he, and here's the thing. Let's say for a minute that Donald Trump is not the nominee. I don't know what, what would happen that caused that. But mm-hmm. let's just pretend that the Republicans go and they nominate Nikki Haley. And it's Nikki Haley against Joe Biden. Do you think for a minute that Donald Trump is going to sit on the sidelines and let Nikki Haley win this thing? No. If, if Donald Trump's not the nominee, he will, he will take a frontal assault on the Republican ticket and ensure that they lose. I guarantee you that. So, why, so why is there whatever the Republican establishment that's there left, is no why are they acquiescing to this? There, why are they allowing it? Because I can mention some pro-Republican establishment. We've got... Well, eight congresspeople from St. Missouri, six of them that are Republicans, most of them have been there quite some time. How come they're not speaking out? They know this is wrong. Well, because there's nothing they can do. The voter, I mean, the, the votes are out. The guy's getting 50-plus percent of the vote of the people that vote in Republican primaries. But I'm just telling you, Donald Trump may be the only Republican that could actually beat Joe Biden because if he's not the nominee, he will ensure that we that the Republicans lose the White House. Well, speaking of distasteful things, did you see the presidents of some of our world's uh, most prestigious universities showed up in front of Congress? Outrageous. I mean, these people are so out of touch. <clears throat> it's just, it is unbelievable. They, it, it, they can't denounce genocide. Exactly. And But, but John, this is this is emblematic. You know, we we just talked through some of the perils of what's going on on the right. This is some of the perils of what's going on on the left. Uh, folks are afraid to speak out and against the uh, against truth and are embracing some of this wacky stuff. We see it on a daily base, basis here in St. Louis. I cannot believe. I think most of these folks might wind up losing their jobs simply and because should. the donors are right. going to be the ones who speak up. We're coddling and and treating these college kids like they're some special class of people. Heck, it's like they're a homeless person in St. Louis. <laughs> You're right. You know, and I would have. You know, before this whole thing flared out, flared up, if you'd have told me that there was this widespread anti-Semitism on the left, I, I, you know, that's been what's been particularly amazing to me is that these leftists, and I don't know, you know, what whether they're growing these kids in the universities and getting into their heads and leading them astray. I don't know what it is, but 
to to take the side of a terrorist organization over the people of Israel, the Jewish people who have been persecuted throughout history, human history, uh, and and to go out and you know exposit that genocide against Jewish people is a good idea, and then to have the college president not repudiate that kind of speech is. I, I don't know what's going on, but but universities in this country better wake up, or because well, they, their donors are going to abandon them. Yeah, I mean, and listen, what a big deep throat say? Follow the money, and once the money people start speaking, I think these college presidents are in trouble. Interesting to me, though, John. Lots of focus on what's going on on the left and and this whole uh, anti-Semitism, and and rightfully so, putting a spotlight on it. At the same time, Republicans taking the invasion of a communist country into Ukraine, a sovereign country, and saying, hey, this is a political chip we can use in a border fight. I'm with you. I'm for fixing the border. But wait a minute. Shouldn't we be standing on principles and supporting Ukraine the same way we're standing on principles and standing with Israel? I think so. Well, we need to support Ukraine. And I think if push would come to shove, I think that will happen. The the votes in Congress are there. It will take a bipartisan vote to support Ukraine. But I don't think it's I don't think the politics are bad to to use this impending vote as a way to try and force the Democrats to address the border crisis. Uh, maybe they won't, but they should. And this is okay. you know this is a time that you could really sit down at the table. And, and yay to Ukraine is important, but so is protecting the border. I don't have a problem with the tactic of negotiating so to get a if, deal done. If these Democrats uh, in, on the left that have this pro-Palestinian thing were to start to say, hey, look, if, if we had a nationalized health care, I think we can find some compromise as it relates to Israel. That's essentially what's happening, John. When are, what, have we just given up on principle? Well, uh, the, the border is a crisis. Processes? The border is a crisis. So, healthcare and the lack of healthcare is a crisis. It's not a crisis no, it, like oh, it the, is. Like the border. No, is. it is. It's a bigger crisis because more Americans are without healthcare than are flooding into it. You see where I'm going? The Americans you, are without you, you only want to hear the arguments that that work for the side that you're on. But at the end of the day, we've got to stand up for principles, do we not? We do, and we need to support Ukraine. And I think we will support Ukraine, and I think we'll do it in a timely fashion. But I really don't have a problem. Uh, with forcing the other side to take a look at an issue that they've been ignoring uh, to the detriment of our national security. The border, the porous border is a national security issue. You've not only got the, the drugs pouring in, the fentanyl that's killing our people, uh, but you've got folks from all over the world coming into this country through Mexico. Uh, and they're not all Mexican. They're not all South Americans. Uh, they're coming from all over the world. It's a problem, and uh, now is a, is as good a time as any to address it, and I think and I hope that they do. Hey, in just the short period of time we have left, if you've been listening to KMOX, we've been reporting about this regional summit that's taking place on violent crime in the yes. St. Louis area. It's happening uh, under the umbrella of East-West Gateway. Today, apparently, they're going to come out with their recommendations of how to deal with crime. What's encouraging is we have the police chiefs from all the regional police departments that are participating, the elected officials that are participating from the regional areas. I'm glad they're doing it. I don't know how much we're paying the University of Maryland to do this because it seems to me it's pretty simple. We knew how to keep crime under control five or six years ago. We put cops on the street and we enforced the law. So now we're paying for studies to figure out how to deal with it regionally. Any thoughts from your perspective? Yeah, I mean, look, I think the bigger issue is is finding 
the police officers. Uh, people aren't going into law enforcement, and we've so marginalized culturally uh, police, the, the job of policing, that you're not seeing an influx of people going into it, and that's the real problem. We, we need more officers. There's no question about it. Well, we've got to step aside, Michael. Yep. Uh, but when we come back, uh, Jay Hardenbrook is the, with AARP about property tax relief. That's next on KMOX. Time for the Friday edition of Hancock and Kelly. You two belong together. John Hancock, Michael Kelly on News Radio 1120, KMOX. But it's suddenly been placed in total perspective for us. I'll finish this. They're in the hurry up offense. Third down four. Foreman. It'll be fourth down. Kavanaugh will let it run down for one final attempt. He'll let the seconds tick off to give Miami no opportunity whatsoever. Timeout is called. Three seconds remaining. John Smith is on the line. And I don't care what's on the line, Howard. You have got to say what we know in the booth. Yes, we have to say it. Remember, this is just a football game. No matter who wins or loses. An unspeakable tragedy confirmed to us by ABC News in New York City. John Lennon, outside of his apartment building on the west side of New York City, the most famous, perhaps, of all of the Beatles, shot twice in the back, rushed to Roosevelt. You remember this night? I do, and I remember I didn't hear about the death of John Lennon until the next morning on the school bus, uh-huh. uh, driving to going to school, and somebody was talking about it on the school bus, and uh, I mean, what a just a freakish event, John right. Lennon, quite a young man in 1980, and it was this date, December the 8th of 1980, that he was assassinated, and uh, yeah, Howard Cosell, who, who actually did a fine job of yeah. delivering that, that bit of horrible news. Well, so I, of course, was alive. I don't remember this. Um, another death that happened while I was uh, alive but don't remember is Elvis Presley. Did that that would have been 1977, if memory serves. You, re- you remember correct. that night, oh, yeah, too? Oh, yeah, yeah, buddy. I'm old. I wonder if anybody out there remembers those nights. Those are crazy nights, huh, that, uh, when that happened. I, I guess the closest thing in my life in terms of a celebrity dying that seemed to get attention like that would either be Princess Diana or Michael Jackson yeah, type stuff. Both of those, yeah, yeah. But uh, crazy, uh, crazy thing that 43 years ago that happened, and the news was broken on Monday Night Football. That's how most people learned. Today, we'd all find out on social media and and right. would know almost instantly. Of course, we uh, the political assassinations that we've lived that that this country's lived through the Kennedys, both of the Kennedys, Martin Luther King. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malcolm X, et cetera, all of those were, were covered in real time on breaking news. But this one happened in the middle of a football game. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Dakota Hotel, a really, really historic hotel where John Lennon yeah. and Yoko Ono were residing at the time. And he was just walking down the street and uh, and blown away like that. Every time I go to New York City and I've got somebody who's never been there with me before, I take them over to the Dakota and I say, this is where John Lennon lived. And then we walk over to Strawberry Fields where they've created – a memorial, et cetera, and it's become kind of a thing to do. I wonder if there's things to do as it relates to Christmas in St. Louis. When you and I were kids, it would go in the famous bar downtown. Um, And I don't know if there's traditions out there. Uh, I guess Tillis Park uh, in uh, St. Louis County there has become something that folks do a lot. A lot of uh, families go out to Old Town St. Charles. They decorate yeah, Main the streets. Street, and they've got the carolers out yeah. there. That's a that's a lovely 
fact, uh, Georgiana and I are going to do that, uh, not this weekend, but probably next weekend. Yeah, they walk around in old-time yeah. outfits, yeah. and they're singing, and there's some great little restaurants. I got a friend of mine I went to school with, high school with. Her name's Teresa. Uh, Teresa, I don't know what her last name is these days. It was Sabacher then. Mm-hmm. Uh, she owns uh, Grandma's Cookies in St. Charles, which yeah. is a very must-stop place in Old Town St. Charles, and I listened to her the other day in an interview talk about just the amount of people that flood on, uh, you know, Old Town St. Charles, Main Street St. Charles uh, at Christmas time, and that's going to be on my list of things to do this yeah, year. Yeah, we were going to do it. So our anniversary was last weekend, and uh, we went out to dinner at Napoli 3 over in the newer you know, oh, cool. streets of St. Charles, and we were going to do the Main Street walk, and but it was raining that night. Uh-huh. And so we just kind of drove through it, but uh, that's that's definitely a destination point. And Georgian loves that the little shops and stuff. Uh, yeah. So we're gonna, but there's got to be Our Lady of the Snows over in Illinois yeah. has a, a white display. I've done that before in Christmas time. Yeah, um, and it's a shrine uh, for Our Lady of the Snows. Um, and then who can forget what we've got down in uh, St. Louis Hills? I forget the name of that street in that area. Well, that's helpful. But neighbors kind of put together uh, their own uh, candy candy cane lane. Candy cane lane. There it is. And South St. Louis yeah. has become, uh, and they, they, that thing, they have to have crowd control and, you know, cops wow. to help move the cars around and that's stuff. That's cool. Do we have a caller? Chuck. Chuck, you're on KMOX. Help us. Good morning. Uh, you were talking about notable deaths, and I lived in Memphis yeah. when Elvis died. Yeah. And my father-in-law had his uh, company directly across the street from Graceland. So there was a back way in, and we all gathered in that office uh, basically for the next three days, watching everything uh, as it transpired. Uh a lot of different reporters. Nobody had cell phones back then. Right. So all these guys were walking around this little strip mall thing, knocking on doors, and they would ask us when we'd open it, could they call their report in? So um, it was really an unbelievable couple of days. Yeah, that was. Was I right? Was that nineteen seventy seven? Seventy seven. Yeah, I was uh, heading to a real estate closing that morning when they announced it. Wow. So you were right there. That's uh, Chuck, thanks for sharing that. I appreciate it. Have yourself a happy holiday season, sir. And you too, guys. All right. You know, because Georgiana's a huge Elvis fan. I mean, yeah. so is Gene Duker. Off the charts. Elvis. Really? Yeah. Like obsessed with him? Yes. Like he plays his Christmas album yeah, in the so whole we bit? were in Memphis. And I don't, you know, yeah, I mean, Elvis. It's not my bag, right. no. Yeah. So she, we're driving around. She said, I really, I want to go to Graceland. I said, uh-huh. okay, sweetheart. Uh, and she said, you don't even have to come in. I'm just going to go. So there's a gas station across the street. I pull into the gas it's station. It's not the, not the most uh, lovely of neighborhoods yeah, these days, right? So she hops out of the car. And she starts <laughs> walking across the lawn, you know, to go see Graceland. Just right on the front lawn? Yes. Well, isn't there, like, fencing around it or well, anything? Well, apparently no? uh, there was security there. And they, uh, <laughs> they, they stopped her. Wait, you know, freeze. Uh, you you got to have a ticket to go to Graceland. <laughs> so she ended up getting her ticket and taking the tour. And, Did you uh, do it? I didn't do it. What'd you do? Just hang out I at the gas station? I just sat in the car and, uh, yeah, listened to the radio. I, that's where I would have been, too. I've had every opportunity. I've driven by it. 
I'm just like, it's just not something I'm I'm interested in. Right. You'd have to be a true Elvis aficionado. I got to tell you right now, here's one that will be extremely unpopular. Oh boy. I've been one time. Yeah. I'm telling you, I think it's the bis- biggest waste of time, Whoa. energy, and money ever. All right. Cooperstown. Whoa. Yeah. I mean, you have this belief Whoa. that the Baseball Hall of Fame Buddy. is going to be some Disney World of baseball. It's, it's magic. Have you been? No. Then you can't say that. Well, I, I can say it. It's it's a bunch of plaques. I'll take you it's over to a, any— It's the Hall of Fame. I'll take you to any uh, uh, funeral place or uh, graveyard here in town that's got a mausoleum, and we can look at plaques. That's what you're going to see. And, you know, it's not like it's in— New York City. I mean, it's out in the middle of upstate New York. It's not easy to get to, and it's the biggest anticlimactic well, event ever. Don't they have a quaint little town there? You go yeah, up the like shops. Yeah, it's like a little, little, little St. Charles. I mean, yes. it's okay, but it's all baseball stuff. Yeah. Which, fine. Okay, that's fine. But you're there to go to— It's the Baseball Hall of Fame. Right. You're there to go to the Baseball Hall of Fame. Well, what do you expect and, them to have, Disneyland? Honestly, it did. I, exactly. It had been built up so much, and being such a baseball nut like we are in St. Louis— I expected it to be the Disneyland of baseball, and you know what it is? It's a mausoleum with a bunch of plaques, and it's boring. The greatest people to ever play our national pastime, Mm. immortalized in one place, Cooperstown, the National Baseball Hall of Fame. Waste of time. Don't go. I bet I know it's an unpopular opinion, but I bet there's a sports nut or two out there that You're agrees so with wrong. me. I mean, you've been there? Well, you I'm, haven't I'm even so, been. I'm so used I just to you don't understand so how you can so pontificate but, on this when you haven't even been. Buddy, I, I, you, you've you never cease to amaze me, Mike. All right. You never cease to amaze me. Hey, let's step aside. When we come back, did you know that there's a potential for a Missouri property tax credit for seniors in the state of Missouri? You know, we may have a senior citizen or two in our listening audience this morning, Michael. We're going to visit with Jay Hordenbach, uh, the advocacy director of AARP, who's going to let us know about some legislation that could roll back your property tax. Whoa. Right here on KMOX. Now, back to Hancock and Kelly, sponsored by Insperity, HR that makes a difference, on News Radio 1120, KMOX. Well, the Missouri legislature last year passed some rollbacks of personal property tax and property taxes here in the state of Missouri. There's been some questions whether or not they're going to be implemented, and in fact, there's more legislation being introduced for next year. So we're going to go to the Quiver River Electric Guest Line. Well, we're visited by Jay Hardenbrook, who is the Advocacy Director of the AARP of Missouri. Jay, welcome to KMOX. Thank you so much. Great to be here. How many people in the state of Missouri uh, fall under the, uh, requ- the being able to be a member of AARP? <laughs> well, it's interesting, actually. I've had uh, a young, quite a few younger people telling me that they're members uh recently. Um, in fact, one of the legislators last year in the middle of the committee said, I just found out you don't have to be 50 to join AARP. So I joined for the travel discounts. But um, we we certainly uh, recognize our constituency as being 50 plus. Yeah. And we are one of the older states in the union. And I understand there's been some legislation filed that will potentially help Missouri seniors. And that's related to a Missouri property tax credit. Can you tell me a little bit about what's going on here? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as you mentioned earlier, we, we had some successes last year with Senate Bill 190. So starting in January, nobody in the state of Missouri will be taxed on their Social Security income, which was a, a big step. And, and thank you to Senator Tony Lutkemeyer from Platte County for introducing and ushering that legislation through. 
And included in that was sort of a property tax freeze optional for counties. As you also mentioned, we've got some things to work out there, but really it's a, a way where you can sort of like stop the progress of um, the increases in property taxes, especially for the older population. But the problem that we've run into, and I'm sure a lot of your uh, listeners understand this, is it's a very high property value year. And so if you pick that year to freeze, still a lot of people will be, could potentially be taxed out of their homes. And that's our number one concern. So we have what we call the circuit breaker tax credit. It's actually called the property tax credit in uh, Missouri law. But um, it basically has been in effect since the 1970s, but it hasn't been updated since 2008. So it's a, you know, income qualifier program and you get some assistance with your, with your property taxes. Um, whether you're a renter or or a homeowner. And really what's happened is, as people know, 15 years is a long time. I've got a kid who was born in 2008 who's now in high school. Um, so a lot has changed. There's been a lot of inflation. And really just through no fault of their own, just the march of inflation, a lot of older Missourians and Missourians with disabilities are no longer eligible for the program. Uh, so we really need to modernize it and update it for the realities of today's inflation, and then we need to inflation proof it moving forward so that we don't hit this crisis point again some point in the future. So big thanks to Representative Mark Matisson from O'Fallon. He's been a fantastic champion on this last year um, and really has brought a, a lot of people together to discuss what we need to do to keep older and disabled folks in their homes. And also thanks to uh, Senator Tracy McCreary from St. Louis County. She's sponsoring a similar version uh, in the Senate this year. And we, we expect more legislation and more co-sponsors as we get closer to the legislative session starting. Now, this is this the program that requires the local county to opt in, or would this statewide law affect everybody? So that, that was part of Senate Bill 190. This one is everybody. So there are people in every single county who receive the circuit breaker tax credit um, by modernizing it, we could make another almost 300,000 people eligible for the program. And really, right now, as you can understand with inflation, there's a tapering off period. But because inflation has happened, that's gotten really compressed. So now we have a bunch of people who still need assistance, but they're getting a pittance, you know, $20 um, a year in the tax credit. And that's just not real relief that people need for to really support paying for these very high property taxes and very high rents that we've seen over the last few years. And the great thing about a tax credit is that that's not a tax deduction. That's a tax, that's a dollar for dollar that comes right off the, right off your top line of your taxes, right? I mean, that's real money yep. for these seniors. Yeah, absolutely. And, and because it is from the state level, you really can make sure that it's not one area that's being treated better than another, as it is with, you know, an optional program for counties. This is something that will actually help absolutely everyone in the state. And it will be, you know, the state paying for it instead of trying to figure out how to deal with first responders, education, whatever else. It's so I'm supportive of the concept, but the bigger question I have is, is that this is kind of like a balloon. When you shorten it on one area, it pushes it into another this is money that would then no longer be going into revenue. What t will there be cuts in services as a result of this, or will younger people be left to pay a larger percentage as a result of these policies? 
Well, that is, is certainly a concern, but I, I think that one of the things that we try to bring up is that people have to live somewhere, right? So if they're forced out of their homes, they're most likely going to wind up in some sort of residential care facility or nursing home where they very quickly expend all of their assets, and then the state has to put them on Medicaid to pay for that, those nursing home services. So the longer we can pe- keep people in their homes, and getting, you know, a more limited number of services uh, from the state, it will actually wind up saving the state a significant amount of money. Okay. This is not a big chunk of dollars compared to the rest of the state. I, I've been around, around a lot of political discussion right now where there's a focus as we have an aging population, baby boomers continue to age. There's this real push to make sure that people can stay in their homes. Talk to that about how that is the best direction for the state to be moving to help people stay in their house as opposed to going into one of these public facilities. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's a, it's a real win-win because we have a very vibrant home and community-based service model here in the state of Missouri. So whether you're on Medicaid, private pay can get pretty expensive, but it really is so much less expensive than going into institutional care, both for the person who is receiving that care but also for the state. I mean, as you can imagine, there's a lot of things that go into that intensive nursing home or residential care facility care. And not that some people don't need that. As we age, you know, eventually you do need that care. But we're also at the very bottom of states where we have low need people in nursing homes. So there are folks that could probably be out on their own living independently, living near their families and their friends, and just getting a smaller slate of services at home. But if we tax them out of that home, uh, then it's going to be impossible for them to receive services there. Jay Hardenbrook is our guest. He's the advocacy director of AARP Missouri. And before we let you go, this applies to real property taxes, not personal property taxes. Do personal property taxes also provide the, present the same kinds of challenges for our senior citizens? Well, they certainly can. Um, it's, a little bit of a different uh, situation, obviously. Hopefully no one's uh, having to live inside their uh, their personal property, but in real property, that, that really is someone's home. So you can get by, you know, with an older car or sometimes with public transportation, oats, those sorts of things, but you really can't get by without a roof over your head. Jay, uh, if people wanted more information on this legislation, where can they go? Uh, well, you can certainly go to our website, aarp.org slash mo, um, and we'll be doing updates on this legislation throughout the uh, legislative session. Um, and also there are reports both from the Show Me Institute and the Missouri Budget Project on the value of the circuit breaker tax credit. Jay Hardenbrook was our guest from the AARP. When Hancock and Kelly come back, we'll talk about what's going on in Forest Park. There's lots happening. Get ready for Chiefs football Sunday. Four-man rush. Left side throw for the end zone. Coming back. Come back. Pattern caught. The Chiefs. The Bills. Touchdown, Kansas City. Pre-game at 2. Kickoff 325. Hear the game here on your home for Chiefs football. KMOX. 
John Hancock, Michael Kelly, the Hancock and Kelly Show. We're going to stick around all the way till 11 o'clock almost with Amy and Chris as they'll come in studio here in about 30 minutes and join us. Don't forget, you can see us every Sunday morning on Fox 2 right here in St. Louis for Hancock and Kelly, the television show. Andy Banker sits between us and uh, talks us through our television show every Sunday. We're grateful you've joined us, and we're grateful now to be going to the Quiver River Elected Guest Line, where we're joined by John O'Gorman. He's the Senior Vice President of Development and Community Initiatives at Forest Park Forever. John, welcome to KMOX. Thanks so much. Good morning. So I am spending an incredible amount of time in Forest Park lately exercising, and it truly is the gem of our region. But there is some major things happening in Forest Park, particularly close to Kings Highway and Highway 40, uh, related to the waters, the streams. Uh, you guys have got everything shut down. What are you up to? <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, thanks for asking. Uh, it's a lot of um, uh, uh, really great projects over there. So these were outlined back in 1995 when the city uh, led a project and Forest Park Forever contributed. And we heard from, from thousands of people back then about what was needed to restore Forest Park. And one of the big projects of that was to improve the waterways and to reconnect them. So what you're seeing over there is really the, the completion of that vision that was really laid out in 1995. So the waterway system, the, the river that flows through the park, will be connected to the large lake that's over by Steinberg. That's called Jefferson Lake. Um, so if, if you were to go by there, and, and as you're exercising on the pass or, or driving on the roads or maybe enjoying skating at Steinberg, you would see that uh, where the river ends, which is right by Steinberg Rink, uh, there's a plan that during, uh, well, starting now, but during 20, uh, 2024, will have a connection to, to Jefferson Lake. And then that lake is going to get a really cool water feature, a waterfall, a cascade on the southern end of that, which I think is going to be another one of these spots that you're going to see people taking their prom photos, wedding photos, family photos at. It's going to be a special spot that's really going to draw people in. Yeah, it almost feels like you're getting ready to do something there. And for so I'm talking about right there at Kings Highway and Highway 40, right across from Queenie Tower and BJC, that yep. landmark. It's almost going to be similar to what you have with the Grand Basin. There's going to be big collection spots for people to hang out. Will people still be able to go and fish and enjoy the wildlife as well? Absolutely. Uh, that is that is a rather tranquil side of the park. So so I think it's a great comparison to, to the Grand Basin. But things are going to be a little bit different. This is a little bit more of kind of a quiet side. But there is going to be a feature that draws people. There's going to be a neat new boardwalk so that you might be able to take a stroll and get very close to the water. Um, it is uh, it is the more natural side. That was a great observation. So we'll we'll have that part too. But it is something that is going to draw people in. John O'Gorman is our guest. He's the Senior Vice President of Development over at Forest Park Forever. Uh, that organization, your organization, is funded through private donations, right? Uh, That's right. And, That's right. And it's uh, you've raised multiple millions of dollars over the years. These these improvements that you've been constantly doing at Forest Park are, have been remarkable. Uh, how much is this particular project going to cost, and uh, what's next? 
Yeah. So this this project, all all in, is uh, over a, a ten million, close to twelve million dollar project. We raised that money um, back uh, in a campaign that we did between. Uh, uh, 2012 and 2018, um, and and you put that right. Uh, all of these, everything that we do is possible only because of uh, donations from people in the community and people saying they want to be part of making Forest Park a, a terrific place. So um, we were, we, if I could say, we were supposed to get started on this project right around uh, 2020, 2021. Of course, we remember the pandemic, and then after that, some some terrible pandemic inflation that uh, really made that project out of reach for a little while. But we've been able to uh, rework the project a bit, and we're excited to get on it now. One of the other things that that's coming up um, that you might have heard about is is we're working with the city of St. Louis to install new basketball courts, the first time that there's been basketball in Forest Park. That's going to be over by the Forest Park Visitor Center, which, of course, is near the uh, History Museum and the Dwight Davis Tennis Center. Yeah, I, I've spent so much time in Forest Park, and it's it's a free opportunity for people. And you can go and spend a day, a weekend in Forest Park. You'll never know what you're going to run into. Wildlife, I've seen deer there, turkey. Somebody tells me there was a coyote in Forest Park last night. <laughs> Right. It's hard to believe in one of the most incredible city parks in the country, you have access to all this stuff. How much money have you at Forest Park Forever poured into uh, Forest Park? And where's this headed? Where does this ultimately go, John? Yeah, we've, um, it, uh, thanks to just the incredible generosity of so many people in the community, we have raised over $300 million for the park. A big, a big chunk of that. Uh, we have worked to put into an endowment to ensure that there's always dollars available for just the gritty maintenance because it's it's really expensive to maintain the park. But we're we're very happy to do that. Um, where's it Where's it all going? Um, we want to make sure that the park is always um, welcoming. It's always a free opportunity, and it's a point of pride for the city of St. Louis. So our work is really never done in that way. But we want to make sure that that it's always something that people are proud of and enjoying. Is there any park <clears throat> quite like Forest Park anywhere in the country? I don't think so. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's it's you know not only do we have the stuff that we're talking about, but we there's there's incredible institutions like the zoo and the art museum, the history museum, the science center, the muni. There's so many things to do here, and then also do do some of the stuff that we've been talking about of um, looking at the lake, fishing, or, or or exercising. All right, I have to ask one question for my running friends. Uh, we have sure. an incredible trail that circles the entire park. I think it's six miles. It may be, give or take that. Uh, there are a couple of places. I'm thinking uh, over by Wash U. I'm thinking close to um, um, where uh, the History Museum where runners, walkers have to deal with automobiles. Is there a plan in the future where... Uh, the runners walking paths will maybe go under the egress and uh, for cars. Man, that's a, that's a that's a important point and a really good good question. Uh, currently, there's not, but we do always uh, need to to look at how we can make those interactions uh, more safe. Um, and we've looked at some places uh, where there's crossings. I think are are done better, and and we need to do those. Um, I'd, I'd love it if we could look at how those could be done underground. Um, that That is a really expensive proposition. Uh, it's not on our current slate, but it's certainly something that could be considered in the future. 
Hey, John, I'm one of those people who's given money to Forest Park forever. And I, you, you mentioned $300 million. So we all expect, oh, well, it's people who want stuff named after them. But you know what? You can go and give five, ten bucks and help make a difference. How can people do that? Man, thanks for bringing that up, and thank you for your support. Um, the best way to go is to go to our website, and there's a Donate uh, Now um, a button. So that's forestparkforever.org, and it is. We get thousands of people every year that just want to be a part of what we're doing, and we thank you for doing that, and we thank anybody for, for considering donating to us. All right, he's John Gorman, O'Gorman from uh, Forest Park Forever. Go check it out. Uh, John, I've spent so much time there now. It is such a lovely place. It you is. know, we have so many zits and flaws that we like to point out about St. Louis and things haven't been like they used to be in the good old days. Huh. The good old days are happening right now in Forest well, Park. Don't, that don't place is a the, world class, you know, destination. The Muni Opera is there. Yeah. I mean, you just think of the institutions the and they the, the way they've landscaped it has just been remarkable as well. Uh, Kudos to the folks at Forest Park Forever, and we'll look forward to that water uh, redesign they're gonna Buddy, they're gonna do. You and I are gonna go fishing together. The problem is, is that uh, neither of us will touch the fish. Yeah, I'm not gonna touch the fish. So we're gonna have to find some good common uh, St. Louis citizen to sit there and help us I'll out watch, when we I'll catch watch, it. I'll watch people fish. That's fine. Yeah. I mean, it's about the same amount of activity. Yeah. I mean, you got the pole out there and the, the lines in the water, and nothing's mm-hmm. happening. You know, it is kind uh, of fun to fish. Kind of, though, well, it's it's very. Uh, Cathartic. Didn't you get a fishing merit badge? No, I never did. Oh, you didn't want I, to touch the the worm? No, or I don't think they had a fishing merit badge. They may have, but I didn't get one. Uh, my parents used to love to fish, so uh, so there you have it. I caught a gar when I was a kid. Oh, have those you ever are heard no good. Of that is an yeah. ugly, yeah, horrible yeah, fish, yeah. and it really screwed me up because I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, that's in the water. I don't want to go swimming with those. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah, those are ugly, and you can't eat them. No, I think they're also called a drum fish. Yeah, what purpose do they serve? Well, they everything has a purpose. Mike. There you go. Well, we've got one more segment. Best newscast in the country. The KMOX Newsroom. National winner of the Edward R. Murrow Award for Best Newscast in America. Best newscast in America. It's right here at the Voice of St. Louis. Historic 1120 on the AM dial. You can also catch us on 98.7 FM. Michael Kelly alongside, and I'm John Hancock. And Michael, yes, sir. I want to take you back to your youth. You're the fifth of six children yes, in sir. the Kelly family. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, when you were a little guy, five, six, seven yeah. years old, take me back to the Kelly Christmas morning, will you? Oh, buddy. Well, you know, we, we the rules were you had to wait. Uh, until we could all go in the, to the room together. And, of course, the little folks, myself and Megan, my little sister, we were up first. Right. So we would go in, you know, 5 in the morning and start tugging on my parents. Is it a time? Is it time? Is it time? And then at 7 o'clock we'd go. And seven being o'clock. so many of us, there'd be little piles, and Santa would have left our names there for us. Uh-huh. And it was uh, the most wonderful time. How about you? Do you remember uh, a particular present when you were a little kid? Uh, any that kind of stands out. Uh, I remember getting a big wheel that Ooh, I really loved. Yeah, Do you remember yeah. big wheels? Oh, I, yeah, Those sure. plastic kind of yeah, like. Yeah. Uh, uh, I remember getting my first little bike, a little mongoose bike. Oh, the mongoose bike. And a Nintendo. Oh, yeah. buddy, that yeah, you're was a kid. I, yeah. yeah, they didn't have that stuff when I, we had Pong when I was a kid. You know. What, yeah. What was yours? So my favorite. I I remember. So we used to play street hockey. Oh yeah. And. Um, and you know, you know, my athletic uh, athleticism is not exactly off the charts, 
And so everybody would get out there on the street and they'd run around and shoot the puck. And I decided I wanted to be the goalie because I don't have to run much. <laughs> You're and, so predictable, dude. And, and so, uh, so I, but I didn't have any equipment, you know, and hockey equipment's expensive. Uh-huh. So my dad worked at the warehouse and, uh, so he uh, he found these huge styrofoam things. I don't know what they did, and he cut them up into goalie pads. Awesome! <laughs> and but I got a goalie stick, uh-huh. and I was the only kid on the street that had a goalie stick. Uh, and it, I still have it. It's, and did uh, you know how to properly utilize yeah, yeah, it? Like, yeah. did you study how the, the yeah. goalies oh, would do it? Yeah, I mean, this was you know Glenn Hall and Jacques Plante were the goalies back then for the Blues. But I. Uh, and Ernie Wakely, I remember him. But yeah, I had I had my goalie stick and my pads, and I had a first baseman's mitt, so I was all decked out. And I had the little uh, Friday the Thirteenth mask, you know, first baseman's uh, mitt. That's yeah, great. Buddy. That's oh, great. You, you got to catch, you yeah. know, you got to catch that uh, puck or the ball we played with a ball. But uh, you know, I don't like to talk, but uh, I was a pretty good goalie. Back was there? The a, well, did the other team have a goalie too, or would there just yeah? Net they be just open? had a kid, you know, standing there. Yeah. You know, it was usually uh, Ricky Fuller, and he'd get peppered and uh, hurt. And... Yeah, and there I am sticking out the left pad, you know, making uh-huh. a kick save. It was uh, <laughs> it was pretty awesome, and I kept all the stats. So I knew everybody, how many goals everybody had, and how of many course. assists. I had my goals against the average all figured out there. Yeah, and uh, so that was that was that goalie, that hockey goalie stick is one of my favorite memories. When as we a young lad. when we uh, occasionally get together and play a snooker, yes, uh, you uh, also still do the stats, oh, that's and you right. like to inform yeah. me. Oh yeah, hey Kelly, uh, my <laughs> average score was eighty two points, and yours was three. Um, and, uh, at the, at this rate, you'll be able to, uh, catch me in 2039. Oh, you're getting, you're getting better out there. You, you've improved dramatically. Is, uh, w- hey, by the way, that's uh, what somebody ought to give us for Christmas is a, uh, snooker table. a snooker table. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine they're huge? Yeah. They're only about 17 grand. Yeah. Can you imagine? That's yeah. bigger. That's as much as a car costs. Right. That's a lot. Is, uh, Tula, the grandbaby is what? Two years old now? 19 months. She'll so be two in, in April. It's somewhat into Christmas, but doesn't fully grasp it Oh, yet, she's right? into it. No, she's getting there. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Does yeah. she know that Santa's uh, coming? She, she and kisses she's... Santa. We've, ah. got, we've got a little Santa book, and she'll go up and lay a smooch on him, you know? Uh-huh. There's nothing better than getting getting a kiss from your granddaughter, you know, when they're 19 months old. And, yeah. Uh, and, and to see her little eyes light up when what? you come into the room. Can you express to me because I, uh, a friend of ours, I think uh, Gene Gene Evans, who's been on here for just you in the past, a just became a yeah. grandparent. Mm-hmm. And I watch you all on Facebook and other places post photos of your grandkids. And and what the what she said the other day is, you don't understand until it happens. Yeah, I mean, it's just it really is amazing. Is it just a magic moment? That, how is it? Can it be any different than having a child? Well, I don't know, but it just is. I mean, well, I think when you have a child. Uh, you know, you're having children when you're probably too young to understand how to do it, you know? <laughs> right. And in this sense of responsibility that comes with having a baby and you worry about dropping them on their head, which I did, uh, <laughs> and you worry about, you know, screwing them up, which I did, you know, and you, so there's all that responsibility that's inherent with parenting. And with a grandchild, it's just the pure joy, you know? I don't have to worry about the discipline. I don't have to worry, you know, just got to make sure she's safe. That's that's the main thing. And then she can do, with Pawpaw Man, she can do anything she wants to do. Yeah, I there's no rules for grandkids with no. grandparents, right? Like, hey, I would like to have uh, cotton candy for breakfast. Done. Okay, let's go. Where's Done. it at? Let's have it. Yeah. 
Is that fun? Now, as a oh, parent, you would have hated that when your yeah when your folks did that. No, it's the best. It's the best, and uh, yeah, I don't. You know, I don't make her like come over unless she wants to. Like you know, she could if she wants to go play. By her, you got to keep an eye on her, of course. But you know, no rules, man. Yeah. No rules. We are uh, we live in a society that spends a lot of money, effort, and time to get us to go out and buy things. Uh, and uh, Christmas, of course, is that time where things. I don't know about you, but I, there's there's really nothing that I kind of am just dying for somebody to get me. Uh, I, I I am more into let's go have an experience or let's go have yeah. a meal than give me a sweater because you know you and I we wind up wearing the same dig then clothes you know every four or five days it's uh, we recycle have, through uh, it. These are brand new blue jeans I'm sporting. Today. Are they? Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh yeah. Well, you've been getting thinner. You need to get well. A smaller my pair. in my one jeans have a hole in them now in the knee. Ah. And uh, which I guess is in. Yeah. You know, I, Amy comes walking in here and her. Yeah. Don't get rid of them. You should keep the really? ones with the hole. Is that right? Yeah, you'll be cool. You'll be the ish, as you why like to is tell it me. That, why is it that people are w- walking around with holes in their clothes and they think it's a good thing? Well, you know, those people who are What's doing it for fashion people? sense are going places and paying thousands of dollars for those holes because they're making them look vintage and aged. Yours are vintage and aged. Because they are. Sp- exactly. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Is so there, that's the thing. But, but I mean, are they still comfortable? Because there's nothing better than a oh, comfortable yeah, fine, pair of jeans. Oh, but they jeans. got a hole in them in the knee. Yeah. And uh, But apparently that's, uh, that's the, the acceptable. Is there a caller over there, Jay? Okay, good. That, that's the rage right now to have holes in your clothes. What, what's the matter with people? What, I mean, where do you want to start? Well, you, get, you know, they're walking. They got holes in their clothes. I mean, it's uh, the, these kids out there. Yeah. I don't know. I don't well, care. I... I I guess I don't know that I have any jeans that have any holes in them right now. I've been doing my end How of summer. How long has that been a thing? Oh, well, since the 50s, I would no. think. Yeah. Holes 60s? in your jeans? Yeah. No, since the 50s. No. It's this like is... bell bottoms. It comes and it goes. It comes and it goes. I don't think. I think it's a brand new thing. You think it's just a a, a recent phenomenon? Yeah, people, no, you're, you're messed up. They didn't have holes in when I was a Dude, kid. I remember my sisters ripping their jeans open when I was a kid. Really? That was in the eighties. Yeah, that that was cool. You walk around in holy jeans. Huh. Well, For a holy is, guy like us. It is a holy season. Hey, that's John Hancock. I'm Michael Kelly, buddy. We got to uh, step aside. Step aside here in a minute because we're going to join Amy and Chris. But we got some thank yous to throw out. We do want to thank uh, Frank Ladd, who is uh, home watching the kids today, but he put together a fine show. Our producer, James O'Sullivan, working the board flawlessly, as he always does. Buddy, talkative guy, that James O'Sullivan. Says a lot. Yeah, But he's the kind of guy that when he says something, everybody listens. It's profound. Yeah. Speaking of people who get listened to, Amy and Chris are next, and we'll stick around with them right here on KMOX.